I had been dating, pursuing um, a Christian kid who it would have radically changed the direction of my life to be with this kid. Um, but he was extremely Christian. So I was trying really hard because I had had a crush on this dude for a million years. And I thought, you know, like, this is my destiny, you know, but I'm just, I was atheist at heart, just did not believe in God, just couldn't. And I was trying so hard praying every night, like, just let me believe in you. This would be so much easier. Just make this easy. And it just wasn't happening. Um, and I'd had a conversation with a friend who I was like, I'm not normally like this. Like I, I did not date much in my entire life. I had one boyfriend in high school that it was like a joke relationship. Like I just couldn't care less, but I was like, I want a boyfriend. I'm sick of this. I, I don't know why I need a boyfriend. And so I'd considered dating one of the guys who I hung out with a lot that first semester at Calvary and trying to be a Christian with him or whatnot. And, uh, but I was just, I was aggravated at where I was in life because all my options seemed to be choose to be unauthentic, um, in order to move on with your life. Um, and then I met Josh and it just kind of clicked into place that he's going through this and, I felt very liberated to be myself and to kind of carry him along on this fun experience of living our great twenties life. And yeah, it was great. I, I went very wild and I had the time of my life. Um, it was a little bit more into dating that I actually started going back to church. Cause up until then, I had gone on and off to my parents' church. Um, Do you remember ever telling Josh, like, dude, I'm an atheist? Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that I was pretty upfront about it. I'm not sure why he dated me. I'm not sure how honest he was with me about his Christianity, just because I was a little disdainful. I was a little too cool for that. And I think at that point, he's already questioning it. Why is he going to delve into that situation? Um, and it, we dated for a while when one of my friends started going to a church in Branson called Woodland Hills. And Purple Castle. The Purple Castle. I love it. Um, yeah. So to tell our, our listeners what that is, if you don't know about Woodland Hills, it was um, a purple castle that was in old Celebration City theme park that was abandoned. Great theme park. Um, yeah. And they just, they rented it out because it was a closed theme park. No one's doing anything with it. Um, and so they used it as a church. And the coolness of that alone was like, okay, yeah, I'll go to this purple castle. That sounds awesome. I used to break into Celebration City sometimes on the second service and just walk around. Gorgeous. It's like, you know, the carousel has ivy all over it. And it, it was really cool. So I thought, okay, this is cool. And there was, there's something really comforting, even as an atheist, about still going to, to church on Sunday. There's something about that routine that even if you're not believing it, you're going with your friend and it's fine. You know, it's something you've done your whole life. And obviously, unlike, you know, maybe Josh or other people, my journey was never, I was super, super Christian. And then just bam, I wasn't, it was never really a huge faith thing for me. So it wasn't really that weird to go to church and not believe in God, you know? Um, so I started going to Woodland Hills and, um, I started creeping a little bit more towards Christianity, just because this is the first time I've seen cool Christianity, you know, Christianity before then was my parents, conservative, stuffy, disciplinary faith, or my school's spit in a cup or you know, and this is the first time I'm seeing genuine, more genuine people and loud music and 
it's in a freaking purple castle, you know, like some rock and roll Christian, you know, and it was a lot more fun. And my friend was very Christian, but she was very authentic and loving. And I thought if this is the breed of Christian that exists somewhere, I could maybe see being a part of it because a lot of my, my atheism at the time came from, from shitty Christians, from Christians who did disgusting things. And I'm thinking, is there a single Christian who isn't just a hypocrite backwards and forwards, you know? Um, so yeah, at that point, kind of dipping toes back, Josh and I get married, still dipping the toe, but still having fun as my cool atheist self, you know, rolling into church. But the thing was, the pastor, he literally at one point said, you know, second sermon is my favorite because that's when it smells like weed in here, you know? So I felt like I'm accepted, you know, he's glad I'm here and I don't have to be something that I'm not. You guys, you and Josh get married in May. It was May, Correct. right? May, yes. Something. Yes. 18th? Um, 2010. So you guys yep. are like 11 years in now. But 11 years into this Get married. You guys actually ended up moving into the apartment complex we were in. We did. It was really cool. Right? We shared a wall with Josh's ex-girlfriend and her brand new husband. Yes! Yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> which is remember okay you gave us that mat the the doormat that has an m on it for mulling camp and they had the same one that had an m on it for their last name oh my gosh that became the train the the um oh my gosh the tradition of flipping ours upside down so it was always w yes so we didn't have the same last name um and I got involved in Nightlight Ministries, a sex trafficking ministry, because I was really into feminism at the time. And my weird brain, for some reason, thought, I know, sex trafficking ministry, which uh, that's okay, that sounds weird. But it was kind of a judgy kind of sex trafficking ministry of like all these poor girls who are strippers, none of them want to be here. They're all, you know they're all just in in dire straits and so anyway it was a weird thing to join um i remember when you were taking those trips like to atlanta wasn't it it was atlanta yeah that's, which is weird weird yeah um i remember <clears throat> you were going down there and doing that and uh and you were like pretty passionate about it yeah so i was super into that ministry for a bunch of different reasons. Um, at first, when I started it, I, I believe I was still, no, I wasn't calling myself an atheist. I was calling myself an agnostic. <clears throat> so I'm going down there as an agnostic. Um, but I'm, I'm on the verge of some Christianity. You know what I mean? Um, I'm more surrounded by it and, I'm meeting a lot more authentic people who are actually doing helpful things and are nice. Um, and I had several weird experiences um, on this internship to Atlanta that I could not explain. And they are why I ended up getting saved at that time. So my parents' church was you know, raising your hands in church was like, oh my gosh, you're going too far. Like it was not, it was very Baptist, you know, there's no charismatic situations at all, but we get down to Atlanta and it's, this ministry is based out of this church building. And what we would do in this ministry is every night at midnight, we would all meet at this church and there would be some kind of worship and a lot of praying, just a, a, like an hour or more of just praying. And during that time, there was a call for, hey, if anybody gets a word from God, bring it forward, you know? And the point was to prepare ourselves for the fact that we were about to go out on the streets of Atlanta and um, pray with any prostitutes or Johns that we came across. Um, and so 
during this time, you know, I'm, I'm praying and I'm just chilling in my corner. And, um, a girl comes up to me who I'd never met before and says like, Hey, I have a word from God for you. I'm just like, okay, this is going to be a little weird, but go for it, babe. And she says like, Hey, I wrote it all down. Um, so here's that, but I'm going to explain it to you. And, and she just says a bunch of different things to me that are, they're accurate, but they're also, you know, kind of like how a fortune teller can be like, I sense that you're anxious about something. And you're like, yeah, so is everybody in America. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this isn't unique to me. And it was things like that. It was like, you're on the cusp of a change and you're really questioning things. And I'm like, yes, but I bet a lot of other people are too. And I was just kind of like, okay, thanks so much for that. And she goes back and sits down and immediately another girl gets up from another part of the room. And she had clearly been waiting for that one girl to get up and leave. She comes over and she's like, Hey, um, sorry. I also like, I, I, I had this thing that God told me I'm, I'm really excited about. I'm just like, okay. And girl repeats what the girl said to me in some cases, almost word for word. And I show her the piece of paper and I'm like, you're like, did you guys talk about this? And she was like, I don't know the other girl. And I mean, I, they came from opposite ends. I didn't see them two sitting there collaborating, collaborating Hmm. on this word from God. And I was definitely like, okay, that was, that was freaky, you know? Um, so that happened one night. And, um, then the next night I'm deciding, okay, you know what, you know what, God, give me a word. If you're going to do it for them, if this is a real thing, I want it, do it for me. And they had described it as you're going to, you're going to sit there and you're just going to say like, God, say something, anything. And it could be something stupid to you, but it'll make sense later. And So I'm trying, and I kind of told my closer friends, like who I'd come down with from Branson, like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try this right now, you know? And so I told them, I was like, y'all, the only thing I can think of is cupcake and that I'm probably hungry. Cause that that's, that's not a word from God. That's not like somebody telling me like, you know, I want to lift you up and, you know, I, I really feel like you need to do this. Like it's, it's a word, it's one weird, you know, it's a, it's a food. So I'm like, that's stupid. Um, and I also had this habit back then, you know, being the manic pixie dream girl that I was of, instead of taking photographs, I drew a lot. I would try to sketch something really quick instead of taking a picture of it. And so in my head, I had this, this image of a black girl with red hair, like big red hair. And I drew it really quick. And I was like, I also have this picture, but like, I saw brave recently, like brave had just come out. And I was like, it's probably like, I was obsessed with the, the CGI on that hair was gorgeous or the animation. So it's probably just that. And everyone's like, okay, you never know. You never know. You know, you're doing your best. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, She's from Branson, guys. I mean, yeah. chance. <laughs> <laughs> she's, you know, she doesn't know what she's doing, but um, so I'm like, this is, I don't think I did it right, but that's fine. You know, I'm not even really a Christian. It's probably not for me. So we go out that night like usual. And um what we're doing here is we all go as a group, but because, you know, 20 people shouldn't walk up to one girl and try and talk to her. That's hell of intimidating. What we do is we'd each have a buddy. And if we saw somebody, the group would be like, who wants to go out? Or if you just, we kind of spread out a little bit, but only like two to three couples at a time would branch out so that the group could be behind kind of watching and making sure that they're safe. So at that time, the group is walking around and I haven't talked to anybody yet because I'm too scared. And my buddy was someone who was from Atlanta. She like had done this for a while and she kept on being like, why don't we go to this one? I was like, why can I just keep watching? I'm I'm so scared. Like, I don't really want to, you know? And um, 
we start to go down this alley and well, I shouldn't say alley because on the other side is like, it's weird. Like there's a building and then there's like, it's kind of like an alley, but on the other side are houses, but maybe they're facing the back. I don't know. But anyway, it's a big, it's a big alley, I should say. Um, and these girls start coming towards us and I'm like, okay, buddy, whatever her name was. I'm like, okay, I think I can talk to him. Let's, let's, let's take this one. So the group hangs behind at the corner and me and buddy go forward and talk to these two girls. And one of them, they're both black. And one of them has huge red Afro. And, um, I, I honestly didn't think much of it at the time. And we introduced ourselves and we're like, Hey, hi, you know, we're with this group over here. My name's Amy. This is blah, blah, blah. What's your name? And one of the girls says her name and the girl with the red hair says cupcake. And I was just like, okay, what are the odds? That's not a normal name. It's not like I thought of the name Jennifer, you know, cupcake, like really now, of course, I, I mean, God only knows if that's her real name. That's a very strange name, but that's what she said. And at that moment, the group comes up behind us. And it's like, we got to go, we got to go. And I'm like, no, there's like a thing happening, but they're like, move. And there's like certain rules of the group that like, hey, because of safety reasons, you if we say go, you're not going to argue, you know, like the, these are the things you have to follow. So they're pushing us to literally run. So we run and we get to a, a, a street further away. And I'm like, what the heck was that? You know, like we we stopped and made sure everyone was okay. And I'm like, what the heck? Like that girl, her name was Cupcake. Like I meant to talk to her. And they're like, what you guys didn't see is that on the other side of this alley behind a house, um, a prostitute had just pulled a knife on her, her John or whatever the heck. So there was like a knife fight going down. And so they're like, you need to move. So that was like, no matter what had happened, I thought that's too big of a coincidence. Like that's, that's too much. Um, so I'm, I'm that night just like, okay, okay. I think I'm having an experience. I think, you know, like I've prayed for years for God to, you know, if you're there, you better show me in ridiculously obvious terms, you know, don't do something stupid. Like there's a cross in the sky made of clouds, you know, like, come on, you got to hit me over the head, you know, no coincidences here. And I thought that's pretty, that's pretty solid, you know? So the week goes on, we're there for a week and, um, we're there on a Sunday. And so we go to, to church and, um, they were, it was more like a worship situation church than anything. And at one point I think like, I'm getting something I'm like, okay, I think, you know, the word really freaking worked out for me last time. So I'm doing this again, you know? And so I drew it. I don't know if I have the drawing somewhere. Um, but what I drew was a fetus in like, it's like, I, I did charcoal at the time. So like, it was, you know, like a charcoal fetus. It had like its umbilical cord and some amniotic bull crap around it. And like a, like a sonogram type thing. No, it was more like, I mean, like a, a sonogram in particular would be weird, like hard to draw. It's more like if, like a a picture out of a biology book of like, here's a fetus at six weeks old. You know what I mean? Like, but like that shape, like, um, like a very fetus fetus, you know what I mean? Um, so anyway, so I I drew that and I'm like, I don't freaking know, man. And, um, that night we all go over to this gal's house and she's the director for nightlight. And she, I I don't know how much I believe in this, but, um, or if I even believed in it at the time, but she did some kind of Christian therapy that they called like breaking chains. And so you would talk about something and they would be like, okay, we're going to pray over it and we're going to you know break it. Like, no, that's not a thing anymore. Something to that effect. And so she was doing that with me and I was going through my recent horribly traumatic birth and how, you know, after that I couldn't have kids and how, 
at the time that's what I wanted, but now like I would like another baby at some point and what are we going to do? Like, that's going to be such a process. And, and we're just going through the trauma of the birth and everything. And I told her about the, um, the fetus thing that I drew and, and she's like, okay. And I, I, I told her about my week. It wasn't like, I was like, by the way, I drew a fetus, but you know, she was like, what words have you gotten? And we went through the whole thing. And so we're praying and she's like, there's a baby for you. And I was just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. And at the time she had worded it to the fact where she had said it something like it's already on the way. And I'm like, I'm not pregnant crazy. Like that's not possible. Right. And so I was kind of like, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. That sounds great. And I'm kind of like, okay, I don't, I don't know what that was. And, um, so trips over, we come back and, um, a day later we were, this is, we had moved right like during this or after this into those different apartments, the last Branson apartments we lived in. And so we're in this apartment, um, Josh oh, and yeah. I. Preserves. Preserves. Oh yeah. my gosh, I can't believe you remember that. Yeah, the preserves. Um, yeah, I love that apartment. Because like and I moved to Rogers. And yeah, yeah. We were working, I was working in Eureka, and I had recruited Josh to come down and help me do a youth theater. And you, yeah, that you guys were in the preserves. You just moved yeah. there. So we're, we're still like unpacking or moving in or something. And I, I remember this so distinctly. I'm in our bedroom unpacking and Josh is in the kitchen and it's an apartment. So I can hear what he's doing. And he gets a phone call. I hear his phone ring. I hear him answer and say, hello. I hear nothing else. And I immediately think it's his mom calling and it's a baby. Like it just in my head, I was like, that's what's happening, which is so completely ludicrous. Um, it's not like his mom is an adoption agency or uh, there was nothing that we would know that could possibly have anything to do with that. But I was just like, yep, that's what's happening. And he eventually gets off the phone and I, I leave the bedroom. I come in there and I was like, there's a baby, right? And he was like, my mom just called. And her neighbor across the street just had a baby girl and um, she had drugs in her system. So Kansas has taken away her custody and this woman does not want her baby to go into foster care. And so my mom called and asked if we wanted to come up and adopt her. And I left the next day and now we have Violet. <laughs> and that was all connected and um violet's middle name isabel at the time it, it means something and now i don't really remember it i think it was like god's promise or something like that so after that i was christian christian because i was like dang if that's not proof i don't know what is so for a hot while there i was extremely christian i remember this and i remember um when you all got violet and it was at the same time that josh had been talking about uh possibly not helping with theater anymore mm. at, at the church because it was like trying he's like man it's like it's just getting so expensive to drive down there and i you know we really yeah. need to save money we got to figure out how to keep the we got like all the stuff that goes into you know adopting a kid which i have no idea i mean you could walk me through all of it but you know, it's a lot and when I mean, you got to the home yeah. inspections all that stuff so i don't know if this if he, i mean i'm sure he, he you knew this but um i didn't know anything that he needed but i knew that it was coming that he was going to possibly leave and i really didn't want him to <laughs> so <laughs> i went to some benefactors of the church and i asked them i said you know is there any way that we can compensate josh and and they're like, yeah, absolutely. What do you think? And I was like, what if we gave him like 800 bucks? And my thought was, let's give him 800 bucks for the whole year to compensate him in gas. Like I was trying to think of like, what would it cost on average for him to have to get down here in a, in a certain amount of time? I was like, how about 800 bucks? They misunderstood what I was asking and said, yeah, we can definitely give him 800 bucks a month. 
And I'm like, um, <laughs> sounds great. Not what I was thinking, but sure. And so then I called Josh. And the thing is, I didn't want it to be a manipulative thing. Mm-hmm. And so not having any idea what was like, I knew that you guys had adopted Violet and obviously like trying to figure out like, how can I keep, uh, how can I, how can we keep a connection selfishly? Uh, how can we keep our friendship, but also <laughs> like, how can we, how can I help Josh stay doing theater at the church? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I went to him and I was like, Hey, um, do you enjoy this? And he's like, I love doing this, mm. uh, doing the theater. And I said, is it complete? I mean, is it just, is it just the finance thing? And he's like, it's just a finance thing. I said, okay, if we could pay you, would you be willing to do this? He said, uh, he said, yeah, I think it would, I think it could work. I said, what if we paid you $800 a month? He said, I have been trying to figure out how we can make everything work. And I keep coming back to like, if we could just have, he's like, I wrote it down. If we just had $800 more. Oh my gosh. I don't think I, I, I feel like I actually vaguely remember that, but yeah. Okay. That, I remember that 800 being like, oh my God, I don't know how that just happened, but I don't know how we would have kept going without it. Like it was just... It was exactly what, I mean, the problem was, is not only is adoption expensive, but um, we also hadn't realized that we were paying a lawyer because we were told, oh, it's a family lawyer, you know, and it was presented to us as if this was going to be free and it was not free. Um, And not only that, but we, with, with just Louisa, my parents were willing to assist in watching her but now we had Louise and a newborn and it was too much for them. And besides that, you know, I'm thinking I have an adopted baby. I, I need to bond with this child. And I had been in Kansas city because per the adoption, like until the adoption was finalized, I couldn't leave the state. Sorry, not Kansas city, Kansas. Right. So I'd lived in Kansas for like a month or two. So at this point, like I had quit my job because I'm like, this is, you know, I'm, I'm moved essentially. And so when I came back, I was like, I can't, I can't work this job. You know, the only time I can work is when you're not working. You have Violet. Yep. Everything's official. You're living at the preserve. Josh is commuting every Sunday, doing youth community theater with me and Eureka. Then y'all decide (laughs) to just up and move to Northwest Arkansas. So I started looking everywhere for jobs you know and and I ended up putting in like a search engine for you know preschool teacher essentially and I found job near y'all and we talked about it and I was like let's please yeah let's let's you know we missed the hell out of them let's do that so we I took a job in what I thought was preschool a freaking daycare um, <laughs> but I like I interviewed over the phone like we I had the job and then we moved there and then I realized oh god this isn't that great a place but whatever we moved to freaking Rogers Arkansas and it was great I was still super Christian um I actually would drive back to Woodland Hills every Sunday which Rogers to Branson yeah I forgot about that that's significant but I will stay like I stayed with my parents that day. And like, that was, you know, their chance to see the kids, but I had been a Sunday school teacher since, yeah, I guess since Louise was born. And I mean, I guess that was only two years, but in that two years, like the first year I had this Sunday school class, they were, I don't know, maybe four years old. And then when their time to move on, I, I could have gotten a new class. I was like, no, I love this class. So I moved up with them and then they moved again. And I was, I, I wanted to stay with them. You know, I didn't want to leave this class. So I went up there so that I could stay with that particular class of kids. And then we would just attend second service. And I, I loved that church. That was a great church. Um, when I had Louisa, I got closer to my parents. 
um, my mom in particular. And part of that was becoming a Christian again. They knew that I had kind of fallen from the faith. And so becoming a Christian again, I got a lot of their approval and a lot of validation that I hadn't had since I was a little kid. Um, and that meant a lot to me. And then, uh, gosh, um, and then we adopted Violet and my parents did not treat Violet the same as they treated Louisa and they struggled to bond with her. But when I say struggled, I don't think they tried it, you know, it was to the point where Louisa's excited to go see Mimi and Papa and Violet doesn't want to. Um, and we didn't want it to get to the point where it became even more obvious to Violet what was going on. Then some arguments started and some discussion of, you know, hey, I'm seeing what's happening here and, and this needs to be worked on. And they were angry at me for bringing it up and just denying and, and just really angry that I could even think that. Um, at that time as well, I loved Woodland Hills so much that I had just begged my parents to come visit this place, you know. Um, and I knew that they, it's not like they were going to ever go to church there. They loved their church, but it was a validation for me. You know, it was, look, I'm, I'm doing it. Like, you know, I'm what you wanted me to be. I'm married to this, this dude who he had now come back a little bit towards the Christian situation. I'm, I'm heavily involved in this church. Like I, I just crave that validation. And I remember they came in and they were just like, they're crossing their arms and just staring. And they just, from the moment they walked in, they acted like they were walking into Satan's den. And it was so confusing me. I'm like, this is, this is just, a, this is just another church. And the way that they behaved and, and the way that they talked about the message, they're like, yeah, I'm not sure that I uh, agreed with all of what he said. And I'm, what just you know it they were so it's when I realized how wrapped up they were not necessarily in their faith but in their church whatever the pastor said that was law and that it's very cult-like the church meant far more to them than than their faith and at that point I just got really angry. You know, I had fi I, I did everything right. And you still can't validate the fact that I have done everything in the end that you wanted me to do. Um, it, they still, you know, they were like, yep, you still need to come back to our church. And I was just so furious at that. It's at this point where I'm directly wanting to separate from them. I'm not wanting to be around them as much. Um, and that started untangling my childhood and how I was raised and the legalism of it. So now, you know, I'm still a Christian, but we're going through their faith. We're going through what is the difference between theirs and mine? And is it just the way that my church is? Is it the way that, you know, maybe I believe in words from God and they don't? Or is there something about the faith itself that I don't connect to? And they, you know, I, just untangling that was so complicated. And then Josh started down his atheism path. And I mean, it is really difficult to be married to someone who has, I mean, it's one thing if you're, you know, um, a Christian and a Catholic. It's quite another thing if you're a Christian and an atheist. Um, and he, he talked about it a lot and it became something of where, you know, I don't want to talk about my stuff because he's almost scoffing at it now. And, and that's difficult. And, you know, being a Christian is based on things that are things like faith, you know, things that, you have to build up in yourself and it's not something that you can point to and go like, you know, no, the sky's blue, sir. Like you're an idiot, you know, like, right. you know, you're having to sit there and, 
and and come up with things to believe in this and it got harder and harder and so we'd kind of stopped going to church a little bit more and I realized that a lot a lot of what was keeping me so religious was the feeling that I got from church and from worship specifically and how the emotions of loud music and dim lights and twinkly stars overhead and everyone's singing is one and you know your heart's beating and you feel like you're one with all the people around you and people are crying and how so much I I needed that to keep me going in my faith because a lot of what I had based it on first of all it was those moments from Atlanta but those moments while there was some you know just obvious proof some of it was also just emotional you know all of us praying together all of us getting words from God all of us worshiping a lot of that had to do with the emotional feeling behind it and without Woodland Hills I just started to slip into why am I I, I don't want to do this. Like, it's just honest to God. It's a lot of work <laughs> to be Christian. I mean, I know I've, gosh, I've said that so many of my Christian friends and, and they'll be like, no, 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 no. It's a relationship. Well, a relationship is work. You know, it's, it's, if you're doing it right, if you're praying and studying the Bible, maybe, yeah, you can be a Christian and, and not do anything, but then you're not doing it right. And if I'm going to do something, I, I wanted to do it right. And it just got to the point where I I knew I wasn't going to go to church anymore. And I'm an exhausted, depressed, anxious mother of two young kids. So I'm not staying up late, studying the Bible and praying anymore. And, and then we moved to Atlanta and we, gosh, we did go to church for a while here. Remember we went to Andy Stanley church. Uh, we were recommended to go there by Woodland Hills. They had, they had gone to some kind of conference and they had adopted. I don't know if it was by Andy Stanley, but I know that Andy Stanley's church did it. The orange movement. Do you remember that? So they were like, they have the same curriculum. You'll love it. And so we started to go to one of his churches and it just, it was a mega church, yeah. you know? Um, and that's not what Woodland Hills is. Woodland Hills was a big church, but it wasn't so big that you couldn't easily meet people. But this was such a big church that there was no meeting people. Um, and people didn't want to meet you. And I mean, there's a fallacy about Southern people being friendly. I, Southern people are not friendly. It's you know, in Missouri and Branson, if I'm going through a Wendy's, I know my Wendy's lady and I'm going to talk to her here. They'll throw your food at you and close their window. You know that they're very standoffish in my opinion. So we tried to make friends or I tried to, and it, it just felt cold and it was so different from what I was used to. And it wasn't feeding me with that, that feeling that I had gotten before of, of community and purpose and feeling like this is where I belonged and, and having that emotion stirred up inside of me. And to be honest, you know, with such poor mental health and with a background that I really, really needed to untangle. um, My dad is an amazing manipulator and my mom (laughs) is passive aggressive and untangling my childhood is still something that I'm trying to work through. So when you're worshiping, there's a thing that happens where you're maybe praying about or thinking about the worst things in life that have happened to you or the worst things that you're going through or, you know, and then you're filled with a positive feeling. And how often does that happen in real life? It, It's something that was really helping my mental health and my opinion at the time. It was, but it was also just kind of a, 
an emotional manipulation situation and coming down here and not having that I felt like am I not so Christian anymore why was I so Christian with Woodland Hills and I'm I'm not here I'm not feeling this and we stopped going to church and I ended up getting a job and just as time went off it it just wore off it just wore off and Josh became more atheist and I would say honestly it's hilarious this um it hasn't been until these past two weeks that I've actually been watching atheist YouTube videos and going I agree with all this like I uh, even two weeks ago I would have called myself an agnostic and I probably honestly maybe should still do that because I still had those experiences. I still can't explain them, but do I believe in the Bible? No. So I am a not going to be Christian. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not an agnostic in that, like, oh, well, Jesus could still exist, but things have happened to me that I can't explain. So it's just been these two past weeks that I've been actually actively researching the Bible and seeing logical fallacies and, and just going, no, 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 no. I'm it's, it's official. Um, up until that point, since moving to Atlanta, you know, Trump happened. And during that time I went, there's no way I'm a Christian. You know, this, I, I'm not associated with this in the least. And that's when I just was angry. I was just angry at the fact that this is something that, <laughs> that I thought one thing of, and it's clearly another. Um, and yeah, like I said, it wasn't until recently that I would say it's official because officially it doesn't just have to do with people and emotion. It has to do with the fact that I actually don't believe the Bible, even if it's taken out of a emotional context does that make sense yeah it's a little convoluted no it's not um one of the things that you just said that reminded me of something josh said when we first when i first talked to him was he said um and it sounds similar to what you said um he's not choosing to be an atheist Mm -hmm. right it's Mm -hmm. that it's that to him what's most convincing is atheism but he's still open to the possibility that if there's other evidence that shows up like god shows up and does something right he talked about it as a to use a a biblical reference he talks about a damascus road experience right (laughs) god's gonna show up i'm open to it um and i think that that's one of those deals that i wish more people in Christian circles would understand about atheism Um, and also just having the self-awareness like or or maybe congregational awareness that the things that you may do with the best of intentions are actually very traumatic for teenagers and youth and kids Mm -hmm. Um, kids do not need in my opinion kids do not need to learn about Sodom and Gomorrah and hell and Noah, and all these other ways that in which the Bible talks about God destroying the earth. Probably not a good thing to be teaching our kids. Yeah. What does that say to our kids? Like, be very scared of God. Yeah, I know. But then, but then also like the purity culture, the, the way that, that churches teach um, physical abuse is an appropriate way to discipline you said earlier that your parents' church became more important than their faith. But I think what I think also what happened from what you were saying, it sounds like their church became more important than their family. It a hundred percent is. And clearly I'm a Christian. I'm I'm a pastor. So to me, there's I have a different journey here. Um, but it didn't take, it did take me through a lot of the same paths that Josh had talked about, that you had talked about, that Bethany had talked about. Um, like I was a Baptist, Bible's the literal, inerrant, infallible word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh and then having some of the same kind of experiences where it's like this could all be a coincidence but my god is this a crazy coincidence and i wish the church would understand um is what we say and what we do don't always match up in a line and there is a there is a lot of emotional manipulation like you said so much um and there's a lot of of folks that um think that they're doing the right thing but are actually doing very traumatic damage (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then and then you get and then you grow up and Mm -hmm. uh and you have doubts and you have questions and no and the church tells you you can't have those you just shove those down and repress those just do what we told you to do and trust me you're going to have a good life and then you kind of find out that's bullshit because not having a better life you're actually miserable um and so the only thing that you can do to try to get away from the trauma and the 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 hurt is to leave that faith yeah yeah i mean i would say when you when you when you left when you stopped going to church um did you experience that like did, did it seem like things got better or was there things that you missed oh a lot yes um there's a couple things i miss i think it's easy to make friends in church um sometimes i miss what felt like emotional healing from worship um uh i miss teaching kids um i loved well (laughs) okay if i believed in the bible i'd miss, miss teaching kids i kind of feel like a jerk teaching kids things that now i don't believe in um I don't know. I find a lot of manipulation when you're, when you're teaching kids things as fact, which are your beliefs. And I, I've had a lot of conversations with people about, but, but we believe it. So it's, it's fact. And I'm like, but that's your reality. And you're now making your reality, your kid's reality when there's different realities and anyway I I feel like a jerk having taught those classes now um (laughs) but um there's a couple different things that are great from not going to church one is I still have really difficult mental health issues and mental health in the church is something that they only hurt my mental health in ways that um you know, if, if you're having depression, you're not, um, living in the joy of the Lord, you know, you're not being thankful enough. Um, if you're having anxiety, why aren't you just trusting God? Um, you know, it's, it's definitely not a place where you can have a lot of frank conversations about the, the really difficult, things that come with trauma um and even have a safe place to go I'm really mad I'm really mad right now and that's just how I'm going to be it's you have to clean it up instantly you know there there's no process it's clean it up now um or else we'll judge the living crap out of you so um it's a lot nicer to be able to go through this mess slowly and without putting expectations and sins into the equation. Um, but the other thing that I found, and I, I think it's so weird, um, and I would have never thought of it, is, you know, Woodland Hills, they even changed the name to Woodland Hills Family Church. Um, and with the whole Orange Movement, they put so much emphasis on family, 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 family. And there were a lot of really good sermons about, you know, um, I remember there was one uh, series that they did on summer, um, during summer, it was like, um, put it into slow-mo or something like that, where it was like, it's time to take a break and enjoy your family and your life. You know, your kids are at school. And that was really nice. But I have found I have bonded so much more with my kids now that I don't go to church. Um, 
you know, especially going to church in Atlanta, it's, you know, you wake up, you're trying to get ready really quick. You drive an hour, you're in church for two hours separated from your kids. You drive an hour back, you know, now you're tired, you're hungry, everybody's cranky and you still have a crap load of things to do. Um, holidays. Oh my gosh. Holidays are so much nicer when you're not having the expectation of going to church on freaking like Christmas Eve, which is just rude. Um, you know, like maybe I'm out of town, you know, um, instead of doing things like, well, we're all going to sit down and read the story of the candy cane and how, you know, Jesus was born so that he could die for your sins. You know, like we, we do a family slideshow and look at pictures together. It feels like we've replaced those religious moments, uh, that I, had in my family that I actively hated and replace them instead with actual meaningful moments with my family. And I prefer that a lot. I once told, I once told my congregation, I said, you know, if, if you grow up in a situation, in a situation in a family that goes to church like this, where the Bible is taken literally, and it's a lot about religion. And in and, and this case, like, and like following of behaviors and behaving and um, where you're not actually told the truth. Uh, and then you're told that you're told lies, but you're told if you don't believe these lies, you're going to go to hell. And so you're manipulated into believing this thing. And God's a God of love. And God loves you so much. And then you just need to accept that love and things will be good. But if you don't accept the love, you're going to go to hell. Yeah. You're going to burn forever. And I'm like, I'm sorry. If that's the God we grew up believing, uh, I pray that more people become atheists for their <laughs> own health. Yeah. Um, and uh, because I think, I think that that God is uh is not good for anyone to believe in. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for talking to me and sharing your story. And I, I appreciate you coming and being vulnerable and talking. Um, and hopefully if people who are Christians are listening to this, this will click in their heads, like give them something to think about, like think about um, mm -hmm. don't just do what the church tells you to do at the detriment of your own mental health, emotional health, or your family's well-being. Anyway, thank you so much. No problem.